With 42 points in the Mavericks' win over the Spurs Monday night, Luka Doncic is only the second player ever to record a 40-plus point triple-double before his 21st birthday. The other player to do that? LeBron James. So just how good is Luka, and is it time to put him among the league's elite? And even though the Clippers are 2-1 and one with Paul George, we have yet to see Kawhi Leonard and Paul George play together. Is this a problem? With Wes Goldberg, I'm David Romil. It's Tuesday, November 19th, and this is Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Kawhi Leonard's load management has put the full-strength Clippers on hold. Plus, the Warriors can't seem to win a game, but let's start in Dallas, where second-year sensation Luka Doncic put up 42 points, 12 assists, and 11 rebounds to lead the Mavericks to a 117-110 to win over the Spurs. While the Mavs led from start to finish, the Spurs outscored them 31-24 to in the fourth quarter. DeMar DeRozan scored 36 points to get them to get the game to within two points with less than a minute to go. And then Doncic came down, drilled the three to ice the game, and cement one of the most impressive stat lines that we've seen since young LeBron. So, David, the Mavs are 8-5, and five, and Luka is a top-five scorer averaging almost a triple-double. I think we have to start talking about him as a potential MVP candidate. Yeah, candidate seems about right. I just, I'm not quite sure that he's a legitimate one in the sense that there are other players that are probably going to con- more consideration as far as the final award is going uh, is, is considered. But he is probably one of the top five players in the league, and that certainly puts you in the MVP conversation anyway. What we're seeing from him as a young player, and I mean, maybe we have to start, you know, qualifying that because I think part of the discussion regarding Luca is one. That he's young, and especially when he puts to the stat line that he does tonight, being one of the youngest players to ever do it, along with LeBron James, it, it can't be removed altogether. But just taken apart from that, the fact that he's playing as well as he is, that he's putting up the kind of numbers that he is, he's he's definitely one of the best players in the league. And I think not many people were prepared to see that at this point in his career, regardless of his age. The fact that he's in his second year, he's already among the best players in the league dominating offensively and, and doing so many different things for his team and, and helping them to win to a winning record, something that a lot of people didn't expect out of this Mavericks squad either. Yeah, I'm not ready to move on from this MVP conversation because the Mavericks are in five. If the playoffs were to start today, they'd be in it. And granted, it's, only a, it's not even 15 games in the season yet. But, I mean, if you look at who we're talking about in the mix here, I mean, you've got James Harden leading a good Houston Rockets team doing James Harden things. You've got Giannis leading a good Milwaukee Bucks team doing Giannis things. None of those, none of that is news, right? We've seen James Harden, we've seen Giannis. I mean, those were your your MVP candidates or favorites last season. But other than those two, I don't know that there's another... I mean, Bradley Beals had a nice year for Washington because he's the only player scoring. So as, tar- as, as far as raw numbers go, he's fourth in scoring. But, you know, Damian Lillard, his, his team is struggling. Kyrie Irving, like, I don't think that he's necessarily got the 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 sympathy of the media to be really considered an MVP candidate, even though his numbers are pretty strong, but we've seen him come out and have really strong starts of the season before. I really do think when you're looking like Kawhi keeps missing games. We're going to talk about that later on. I don't think he's really, and then maybe you look at the Lakers and we start talking about LeBron and Anthony Davis. I definitely think that they're in the mix, but they might end up splitting votes. I think Luca, if the, if the Mavericks can get into the playoffs, I think Luca is absolutely an MVP candidate. He has to be. I mean, how many, how many games do you think they have to win? Because we saw Russell Westbrook average a triple double for a you know a fifty win Thunder team, and he got the MVP. And and maybe there's been some correction, market correction after that. But I think Luca should should 
be in consideration if if the Mavericks win how many games? Well, I think they'd have to at least win a playoff spot. That's probably the the biggest part right there. And in the Western Conference, it's hard to predict exactly how many games that will take in yeah. order to make it there. But you assume at least a 50-win season from them. And, you know, Chris Stapp's Brzingis isn't exactly at 100% either. He's struggling as he eases his way back into the lineup. They don't have a legitimate third player, although Dorian Finney-Smith had his career high uh, on the same night that Luka Doncic had his career high. So no one's really talking about that, and probably nobody should. But the reality is that they're going to have to win an awful lot of games. But I, I also look at, at Doncic and his stats as, as impressive as they are, and I'm not dismissing that at all. The reality is he doesn't lead the any kind of offensive category. He's not going to be the, the, the top scorer in the league. He's not going to be the top assist man. He's a solid rebounder, obviously. But it's also the fact that maybe his game is perceived as one-sided. He's not a really staunch defender. And neither is maybe Harden. At least that's the narrative about Harden for a long time. But again, because of Harden's leading the league and scoring and doing everything he does and getting to the free throw line as often as he does, those things kind of stand out a little bit. I just, when it comes to the MVP conversation, so much of it is about narrative. And the one ace that, that Doncic has up his sleeve is the fact that if he can guide this Mavericks team to the playoffs, that's going to be a considerable feather in his cap. But at the same time, uh, I think he has to do a little bit more. If he can, if he can be into, you know, the category as far as like a, a top five scorer. Uh, if he can continue to put up the assistant rebound numbers that he has over the last few games and he can guide his team to the playoffs, then I think maybe you'll you'll start to see a lot more people talking about him as one of the three best players in the league. And that's still a considerable leap. I mean, if, if, despite whatever holes he might have on defense. Not the three best players in the league, but one of the three top candidates for MVP. I don't think he would be. I mean, he's averaging 29 and a half points. Um, 10.7 rebounds, 9.3 assists right now. How many players would you take over Luka Doncic right now? To for not only I'm not not even the whole start your team conversation. Just for right now, this season to play games and win games. How many guys in the league would you take over Luka? It's not a that's not a long it's list. Not. I don't think I, it's you know you're I, we don't need to go through them, but you've got the obvious ones, right? You've got the the Giannis, Kawhi, LeBron, James Harden, Steph Curry, etc. But it, it it it's not that many players after that. No, and and this is where the age factor certainly does play a, a role. And you you look at him being twenty years old, and the fact that there is a, a whole hell of a lot of upside to his game, and and that he's already as dominant as he is, you'd have to say he's definitely a foundational piece. And and you know a lot of the on nights like tonight, you see a lot of the conversation shifting towards why teams like Phoenix and Atlanta and others did not take the kind of MVP level player that Doncic is and and yeah I mean I think those are worthwhile questions to have because it, it shows how teams even in today's age dismiss European players or even a player like him who had such an incredible career before he even played in the NBA and didn't think that he was going to be an elite level player right away I mean I think you and I were both pretty high on him coming into the draft and thought mm-hmm. he was going to be an impact player although I don't know that we saw him making this kind of an impact this quickly yeah, the Suns look really dumb right now. The Kings look really dumb right now. The Hawks, they got they actually moved the pick that turned into Trey Young and other assets for them. So they don't look dumb and Trey Young's been awesome also this year. It's pretty clear by the way. Not only is I mean we we're start talking about guys you would take ahead of Luka. I don't think Ben Simmons is on that list. I don't think Donovan Mitchell is on that list. I I'm right now I'm taking Luka over those two guys right now. I think he's better than those two guys. And the reason I bring them up is those those were your, kind of your rookie of the year candidates the year before Luka came in. And everybody loves Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell, and they should. But Luka's on just on another level than those guys, which says a lot. 
Um, all right, David, let's get to some of the other scores from the night. The New York Knicks beat the Cleveland Cavaliers 123-105. to The New York Knicks won their fourth game of the season. The Indiana Pacers 115 over the Brooklyn Nets, who continue to struggle. Just 86 points for them on the night. Toronto Raptors won over the... Well, no, no Kyrie Irving for Brooklyn either. And then the, the, the holiday backcourt got it done for Indiana. That's right. I was trying to think of a nickname for them, but I, I couldn't because I'm not that smart. Season's greetings? I don't know. Toronto Raptors, 132 over the Charlotte Hornets, 96. That was a close game for a while, but Toronto eventually pulled away. Milwaukee Bucks, 115 over the Chicago Bulls, who continue to struggle. Things are falling apart quickly there in the Windy City. Giannis with 33 points and 10 rebounds in the night, and 19 and 10 for Brooke Lopez. The Portland Trailblazers drop another one, one away to the Houston Rockets, 132. Harden with 36 points. Westbrook with 28 points, 13 rebounds, and 10 assists for a triple-double of his own. Talk... Talk about things coming undone, Portland, man. I mean, well, I almost thought about we, we should talk about them, but it kind of feels like it might be the end of the rope there with with what they're doing. Um, this 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 core that they have. I just once you sign Carmelo Anthony, that's pretty much throwing in the towel. Well, I, I mean, I was hoping that we would be able to recap his first appearance as a Blazer, but uh, unfortunately, it didn't play out that way. And yeah, absolutely, the move yeah, smacks of desperation, but. I'm curious to see how it pans out. Like, I, I think I'm not sure if he has another level to him yet. I don't know if he's willing to make that adjustment. And even the, if, if he is, can his Blazers team accommodate him? I mean, they've already got two right. dominant scorers in McCollum and Lillard. And, and of course, with others there, notably your your favorite player of all time, Hassan Whiteside. Vegas, I did one more thing on Carmelo. Vegas had his over-under for points per game this year at 9.5. You, That's free money. You bet the under on that. The Boston Celtics won 99 over the Phoenix Suns, 85, in the Aaron Baines rematch game. And the Minnesota Tw- Timberwolves, 112 over the Utah Jazz, 112 to 102. And, of course, we'll talk about the Clippers beating the Thunder later on in the second. Coming up, Kawhi Leonard missed his third straight game with a knee injury. But is he really injured, or are the Clippers just being careful? The Warriors have fallen from grace, and we'll discuss the latest out of San Francisco later on. But let's talk about everybody's favorite subject, load management. Kawhi didn't play in the Clippers game against the Thunder. They didn't need him, however. Paul George drained the go-ahead three-pointer with 25 seconds left in the game. He nailed the three just a few seconds after getting stripped by Chris Paul on the previous possession. Paul hit a, a pair of subsequent free throws to give the Thunder the lead in that game. And then, of course, Paul George called ball game there. It wasn't his best game since coming back from his shoulder surgery, but it's because of those kinds of shots that you trade, what the Clippers traded for to get Paul George, and yet we still haven't seen him play with Kawhi, who's now sat out three straight games nursing a left knee contusion, and he's missed now six of the Clippers' 15 games this season. With Paul George finally back, should there be some urgency to get Kawhi back and just to see those two on the court together, David? The NBA probably thinks so. I don't. Uh, I, I think we saw the the template last year with Toronto, and to be honest with you, I, I don't have a problem with it at all. I mean, I, as much as I'd love to see Kawhi put up gaudy numbers and strengthen an MVP candidacy uh, during the regular season, the reality is that he's got bigger fish to fry. The Clippers want to achieve something they've never been able to do before, which is win a title, and they've got a pretty good chance at it. And so um, I don't mind him sitting out games. I don't think he is legitimately hurt. I think he, he could play through those quote-unquote injuries that are keeping him out, and I think they're, they're being cautious to, to manage his minutes, and, and rightfully so, because, again, it worked last year in Toronto. He was able to play consistently during the playoffs, which is when they need him most. This is they're, they're viewing the bigger picture here, and so it absolutely makes sense. And 
even conversely, it gives Paul George an opportunity to kind of take over. He's been in the back seat for a while now in, in Oklahoma City for a couple seasons. Now with the Clippers, this is the perfect role for him as as Robin to Kawhi's Batman. And I know a lot of people have talked about it, but you know Paul George for years has been dogged with the idea that he's supposed to be a team's leader, uh, if not just statistically, but emotionally. And I don't know that he's qualified to be either of those things. This gives him a good opportunity to kind of work through the kinks as he comes back from injury, as we pointed out, as you pointed out earlier, he was not sharp against uh, uh, you know, the Oklahoma City Thunder on a Monday night, but he was still able to come through in the, in the clutch moments there and hit that big three-point shot. And so he's going to have other opportunities over the course of the regular season. And I think their chemistry is going to just be just fine because the, their styles of play are so you know complimentary and Kawhi can just dominate whenever it's necessary and Paul George can play a secondary role there he can be more of an off-ball cutter and shooter and, and, and these are things where he can do particularly well because he still has elite level athleticism and he's got pretty good shooting range and he's, he's still a great player he can still be a top 10 15 player just doesn't have to be that every night especially when you have Kawhi there and in the playoffs it's going to be great for for the Clippers to have both of them capable of dominating at certain points during the game. 18 points on 7 of 14 shooting, 3 of 7 from three-point range. He had seven rebounds and four assists. He did have seven turnovers, which was which was bad. But other than that, other than the seven turnovers, and especially that late one where he got stripped by Chris Paul, not a great game, but just kind of wasn't all, also wasn't in the way. It wasn't like 18 points because he couldn't make a shot. He shot 50% from the field. He just wasn't taking a whole lot of shots. Again, only took 14 shots. You mentioned about Paul George being this... He might be the NBA's best Robin, right? I don't I don't know that there's a player better suited to play that role than Paul George. He played that role arguably tonight cuz Montrose Harrell scored 28 points on 20 shots. Yeah. Right? So he like Paul George is he he's done this before. I mean, he recognizes when somebody's going and he's very happy to just sort of, you know what, Montrose, you've got it going tonight. You're on your way to 28 points. Nobody can stop you on the Clippers. Let me just keep feeding you, right? And Lou Williams, let me just like just let let Lou Williams take the ball and feed Montrez. Like Paul George didn't need the ball so much; he was very happy to play off to the side, and so that's what we saw tonight. I actually think that this is still better. Almost this could be better for Paul George getting to at least walk into this new Clippers team without having to maybe figure out the Kawhi Leonard balancing act. Right? He can walk in, he can figure out all these new teammates and and play whatever role this is as the alpha, I guess, right now to his standards, the way he likes to do it. Um, And he's largely done that. In his first game back, he scored 33 points in a loss to the Pelicans. In his second game back, he had 37 points in a win against the Hawks. He went 10 of 17 um, from the field in both of those games. And then he had another efficient shooting night tonight. I mean, he's shooting over 50% since getting back from the shoulder injury. So I guess the shoulder's fine, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but it, it's 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 good. I think it is there, – there's a there's a version of this that's actually good for Paul George to just sort of get acclimated, get his feet wet, and then Kawhi Leonard comes back. And then, you know, we start seeing these guys at, at full strength and really kind of see what the Clippers can be uh, in a Western conference that looks pretty good. I mean, right now the Clippers are fourth. They have the same record as the Mavericks at 8-5. and five. The Lakers are 11-2. and two. The Rockets are 11-3. and three. Denver's, you know, uh, uh, above them at nine and three. So maybe the Clippers can start making some headway at full strength. I still would have liked him to be a little bit more aggressive against the Thunder. I know the Thunder are pretty good defensively, and and they certainly challenged him a lot, made him a little uncomfortable there. But uh, for the most part, I know he was a little 
not not necessarily passive, but he was, as you pointed out, trying to get other players engaged and, and get them going. And he did have four assists, so it wasn't like he was dominating as a playmaker either. But it just there were there were just moments there where he could have been a little bit more aggressive and willing to take his shot mm-hmm. uh, and not necessarily defer to guys like Harrell and and, and uh, Lou Williams. But at the but time, in the end, he was right. I mean, at the end, he took the shot. I mean, even either him or after Rodney getting Magruder, stripped by Chris Paul. After getting stripped by Chris Paul, I mean, he comes off that curl, he hits that shot, gets the 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 he seals the win with a rebound, and then gets fouled and goes to the line, hits one of his free throws, intentionally misses the second one to to you know milk the rest of the you know the point three seconds that were left off the clock. Um, so, like, does he even like as long as he's there for that moment? Does he even need to be aggressive the whole game? I mean, it, like I'm talking about when Kawhi's back. I'm talking about like when Kawhi's back. No, I, I should say no, like, no. When Kawhi's back, because there, you'll have somebody else who takes up more of the scoring load there. It won't fall on Harold Williams or others. But, but that's an interesting question though, because then it leads to the discussion, which I, I think is a natural one: Is this Clippers team, given their depth and the fact that they have, as you said, the best Robin in the league? Is this the clear favorite for a title? I know Vegas certainly thinks so, and I, I, I'm starting to lead that way. I still like the Lakers. Okay. I've I've been I've been with the Lakers since before the season started. I'm sticking with them, but the Clippers are really good, man. I mean, they're going to be really good when they when they're at full strength. But we haven't seen them yet, so you know what? I'm not even going to give them the benefit of the doubt. If this is what you're going to do with load management, I'm not I'm not going to just give you the benefit of the doubt. I want to see your guys play. Coming up, the Warriors have lost seven straight games, but have a chance tonight in Memphis to get their first win in almost two weeks. Can they do it? And why have the Warriors fallen off so badly? Use your basketball knowledge to prove you have what it takes at mybookie.ag, where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA and mybookie will match 50% of your first deposit. Listening on the go? If you can't visit mybookie right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at lockedonpodcast.com slash offers. Remember to listen to and subscribe to Locked On NBA on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. The Warriors enter tonight's game against the Grizzlies. Losers of seven straight games, dealing with injuries to half the roster. Draymond Green is playing point. Rookie second-round pick Eric Paschal is their go-to scorer. Two-way contract players are playing major rotation minutes. And while it may be in their best interest to tank this season, it turns out that they don't have to try very hard to lose games anyway. They have the worst record in the NBA. So, David, do you see them turning it around anytime soon, maybe even tonight in Memphis? I don't. I know you're probably, uh, well, obviously you're a lot closer to the team than I am. You've got your finger on that pulse there. But, I mean, I just, I don't know what to make of this team. I mean, obviously they've had so many injuries early on. They're going through this deeper roster of players that aren't particularly NBA players. And you're not sure what you're going to get out of them on a nightly basis. Uh, You know, the fact that Draymond Green is really their only established NBA player. Uh, that they're still, you know, they were waiting for D'Angelo Russell to return to action, and that could take some time. And, and of course, the Steph Curry thing hanging over everything over the season. I mean, w- what's the expectations for this team? I just do, can they win a couple games here and there? Does it matter? I mean, what's the point? I think it's more about just getting everybody to play and and keep things afloat. We've seen bad teams before. I mean, I remember that that eleven and thirty start to the Miami Heat season where it was all about just kind of keeping everybody consistent. That was a big thing that Eric Spolstra was preaching at the time, was making sure that there were no no problems with that roster, that everybody stayed positive as best as possible. And I think Steve Kerr is cut out to do something similarly. I think he has a good idea of how to motivate players, how to get them focused on what they can do and not worry about wins and losses because that's not the overarching goal of this season. And, and so 
uh, turning it around isn't, I think, the focus for this team so much as it is just playing hard, playing consistently, sticking to what drives this team, what defines them. And as long as they continue to get players healthy throughout the course of the season, maybe eventually they can compete for a lower seed in the playoffs. But even then, it doesn't really matter. It's just about just trying to stay positive because a lot of things we've seen so many teams struggle and then they fall apart and they start, you know, the in-house fighting becomes apparent to everybody and, and just this cloud hovering over a, a locker room. And I don't think that's the case for the Warriors. Obviously, you'd be able to speak to that much more than I would. But uh, are they staying positive despite the, the losing and injuries that have continued to mount on? Well, that's why I brought up the question. I mean, yeah, largely, yes, they are staying positive. I think one of the key things, the reasons why this this locker room isn't, you know, pulling apart at the seams is because... They'll never tell you this, but there's a built-in excuse. I mean, they don't have any of their players. Like, they're all injured. Yeah, other than Draymond Green, they're all injured. And you look at the guys up and down the roster who are playing. You know, you've got, you know, rookies like Pascal and two-way guys like Kai Bowman, who should have been spending his season in Santa Cruz, and yet he's, you know, playing back. He's the primary backup point guard for this team. You've got guys who otherwise shouldn't be playing in NBA games, and yet here they are playing in NBA games. They're just happy to be here, right? right? I mean, this is... They, they're getting an opportunity to showcase themselves at, at, at the high, literally the highest level and maybe establish a career and build something. We've seen this happen a lot. And I think, you know, you've seen teams that just get out and struggle for no particular reason, um, you know, or you, uh, maybe a reason you can't really put your finger on. That's not the situation here. There's a very obvious reason why this team is not good, and it's because all their players are hurt. So, yeah, it's been largely positive. I will say this. They need to get a win, though. I mean, you can't to, – to go two weeks without a win – it does. There is tension there. There is definitely tension there. Of just you gotta get one right. Like you just gotta get one to just. At some point, you just need progress on paper. It's nice to say like, oh, everybody like the rookies are learning. They're getting better. You know, defense is improving. The net rating isn't as bad as it used to be. Blah blah blah. But at some point, you need pro- progress on paper. You need to see some proof that things are getting better. And right now, well, for at least seven great games in a row now, they haven't gotten that proof. And the Grizzlies at five and eight, and led by Jean Morant. I mean, that's a maybe it shouldn't have been as tough a challenge as it is, but the reality is it's going to be difficult for the Warriors to pull away a victory there. What are your feelings as far as that matchup is concerned? They've had a hard time stopping any good backcourt player this year, and Jean Morant's a good backcourt player. I know, I know he's a rookie, but he's really good. Um, I think, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to pose a pretty tough matchup for them too with his ability to space the floor specifically so um i went into this road trip thinking that they would be they would win one of the memphis and new orleans games they lost to new orleans over the weekend so i'm assuming so i'll just i'll stick to my guns just for the sake of it uh and say they they win in memphis i don't feel really i don't feel good about that but i i just it feels like at some point they just gotta get one i mean this is the nba at some point you just you gotta get one right I mean, they have the longest losing streak of the season. It's not even close. Yeah, it, it's not. Uh, it's not fun. I can imagine. I mean, again, you you brought up a lot of good points there. That for the younger players and the guys that are you know hovering between the G League and, and the NBA, it's a good opportunity for them to kind of prove themselves. How many of them can you? How many of them do you even recognize? Like just from like you turn on a Warriors game and you're and is it just who are these guys until uh let's see Saturday was it set no Friday's game against the the Boston Celtics I don't think I, yeah. I knew what Eric Pascal looked like um 
I kept seeing you talk about him via Twitter, that you're, you're transcribing way too much Eric Pascal quotes. And I was like, that's great. I have no idea who the hell that guy is. I couldn't have picked him out of the lineup. Um, Kai Bowman. I, I didn't think out every day bit. I'd be talking about Eric Pascal. But Kai Bowman, yeah. Yeah, that, aside from that, no. I mean, I know what Willie Cauley-Stein looks like. Um, who, 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 who am I missing? I know there's a, a pretty deep cadre of players there that I haven't uh, known on a first-name basis. But yeah. Anybody else that no, I know? I, I not really. I didn't think so. I don't feel too ignorant then because uh, I, I feel like Glenn Glenn Robinson has started every oh, game sure. from for them after not being in the rotation in Detroit. So that's great. Good for him. He's their rock. <laughs> All right. How many of these? You're my rock, David. Around? How many of these players can stick around next season? Do you know that? That's the question. I think all of them could legitimately be in the NBA. I think Kai Bowman's an NBA player. I don't think he's a starter. I don't think he's your second point guard, but I think he could be your 14th or 15th guy who just plays hard. That's nice. Like, he can play defense. He can make shots like that. He could dribble in a straight line. That's good. Um, but uh, I think all of them could eventually be in the NBA. I just don't know that they're going to be with the Warriors going forward. But that's kind of what the Warriors are doing right now. They're just saying, okay, how do these pieces fit? Who do we see being a part of a healthy Warriors team with Steph, Clay, and Draymond? Who can fit in with those guys? And you go from there, right? Like this is a this is like this is a gap year. It's a rebuilding year. It's a quote unquote tank year. It's it's an information gathering year too. For David Ramil, I'm Wes Goldberg, and this has been Locked On NBA.